Hello, this is a personal synthesis podcast. And Dr. Nash Popovic and I will be talking about security today, about all things that affect security or insecurity that we feel. Good afternoon, Nash. How are you? Hi, Bobby. I'm fine. How are you? Very well. Thank you. Uh, Nash, would you like to say something more to our listeners about today's topic? Okay. Today's subject is security. And security or the sense of security is very important for all of us for many reasons. And the first thing that I want to clarify about security and its opposite, insecurity, is that it's linked to anxiety. Our listeners are probably aware that there is almost a pandemic of anxiety nowadays, even if we actually live life that is safer than ever before. And yet that anxiety increases. The way to understand this phenomenon is to realize that anxiety and fear are not the same thing. We feel fear when there is a a clear object, when we know what we are afraid of, when there is a danger kind of in front of us. Anxiety is more linked to uncertainty. So I'll give you a simple example. Um, Imagine that a tiger appears in your room right now. You would feel fear. You would try to jump to the window to escape the tiger or something like that. However, imagine that you read online that a tiger escaped from the zoo and it's ramaging through your streets, but you don't know if it will appear in your building or or not. You would experience anxiety because there's a lot of uncertainty there. Anxiety is linked to that sense of uncertainty. And of course, life has many uncertainties, and particularly nowadays, uncertainties related to our futures uh, in in terms of um, climate change, uh, possibility of the nuclear war, economic uncertainties, um, uh, relationship uncertainties, um, social and political uncertainties, and so on. So when you look from that lens that we live in time of unprecedented uncertainties, it's not surprising that we experience a lot of anxiety. So how about you, Bobby? Do you experience anxiety sometimes? Yes, I did and I do. I'm going to explain how it shows. Yeah, uh, go on. I feel panic within myself. Yeah. My hair, yeah. my hands uh, become icy. Uh, I'm trembling all over. Yeah. I can't breathe properly. And in that moment, I feel panic. And some uh, irrational, uh, something that I thought is uh, irrational fear, but now I understand it was that uh, fear of uncertainty. Yes, yes. Those physiological symptoms are a sign of extreme anxiety, which we sometimes call panic attacks. This happens when anxiety is combined with insecurity, with your own uncertainty that you would be able to deal with the situation in good way. We actually like uncertainty. Imagine life that would be completely predictable with no uncertainties. It would be boring. It yeah. would be dull. We want uncertainty. And that's why, for example, you don't want to know the end of book that you're reading or the football match that you are watching or end of the movie and so on. You like that kind of uncertainty. The whole entertainment industry is, is designed around creating some uncertainties that are not unpleasant. 
uncertainties and a small dose of anxiety are not unpleasant if they are not combined with our own insecurities. What I mean by that, when you watch a movie or when you watch a, um, some sport event or something like that, you are not directly involved. The outcome doesn't depend on you. Yeah. So in some ways, there are no additional insecurities. However, if you, for example, play that football match, then you may feel performance anxiety. Your anxiety may be much, much greater because the stakes are greater and because you are involved. So when we think about anxiety, we need to understand that this combination of two things, uncertainties, external uncertainties, and also uncertainties that we will be able to deal with the situation in helpful or positive way. Do you want to give us an example of a situation that causes you to experience anxiety? Yes, of course. For example, whenever I had a tough exam on university, I, I couldn't sleep. I had all symptoms that I mentioned yes. earlier. This is a very good example because exams involve a lot of uncertainty. You don't know what question you will get. You don't know if you are prepared enough. You don't know if you are going to pass or not, and so on. So, not surprisingly, exams cause uncertainties in many people. And in some cases, very, very extreme levels of uncertainty. So, how did you deal with that? Have you done uh, uh, anything to cope with these uncertainties and to cope with your anxiety? Somehow, after a while, I learned to accept that uh, uncertainty. So really accepting uncertainty is the key. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I completely understand. However, in acute situations, sometimes, let's say just five or 10 minutes before an exam or before your performance or before doing something that causes you to experience anxiety, it's very difficult to be philosophical about that and to accept uncertainty. And you may have those symptoms, such as sweaty palms or increased heartbeat or heavy breathing and so on, that makes you feel even more anxious. So I would like to suggest some ways of reducing anxiety in acute situations. One of these methods is so-called square breathing. Square breathing can be very effective for various reasons and there is solid evidence that can really help in acute situations. Our listeners can find uh, a detailed description of how to practice square breathing on our website. The other way of reducing anxiety may sound counterintuitive or paradoxical. Of course, what most of people will tell you in these situations is to try to relax. But we know that sometimes it doesn't work. You try to relax, and if it doesn't work, actually you become even more anxious. So when you realize that relaxation is not helping, that you are not in control, that increases uncertainty, increases insecurity, and therefore increases anxiety. So what I want to suggest is to do the opposite. Try to increase your symptoms. For example, if your palms are getting sweaty, you try to make them sweat even more. If your heartbeat is fast, rather than trying to slow down, you're trying to make it faster. If your breathing is fast, you don't try to make it faster, but try to 
go on with that. I'm saying don't try to make it faster because you may end up hyperventilating, which is not a, a pleasant thing. If your pulse is getting faster, try to make your pulse even faster. But what will happen is that these symptoms may indeed increase for a short while and then they will slow down. They will slow down, possibly disappear, simply because you ascertained your control of the situation. You showed that you can actually do something about that. And that in itself reduces uncertainty, insecurity, and, and consequently anxiety, and therefore the symptoms will start naturally subsiding. Okay. Very interesting. I didn't know about this. <laughs> yes, yes. So let's now turn to security and talk about sources of our security. So it's kind of opposite. It's not enough just to reduce anxiety. We also want to talk about what can increase uh, your sense of security. Principally, we have two major categories of the sources of security. One category are external sources of security, and they involve something like social structures that may include the police, the army, political system, respects human rights, a fair and efficient legal system, or an economic system that secures jobs, for example. A personal image, such as professional role, start, status, well, being part of a group, such as family, club, class, religion, nation, and other individuals, such as partner, your parents, friends, and so on, and objects. Sometimes we ascribe sense of security to objects, rightly or wrongly so. These objects could be, let's say, your alarm system, or things like a lucky charm, or yeah. some kind of religious symbol, like a cross that uh, people wear around their necks, sometimes because they feel more safe when they wear those symbols. Now, these external sources of security can be useful, of course, but they have some disadvantages. Most of them are not entirely in our control, so we are, to a degree, at the mercy of circumstances. An economic system, for example, is not necessarily in our control and what happens in the, the economy really doesn't depend much on us and uh, we can lose that kind of sense of security at the flip of the coin. They are often also temporary, so security based on your status at work diminishes when you retire, for example. Some of them limit personal freedom. For example, a group that provides a sense of security may also demand that you conform to their rules rules and uh, you, you can't really be yourself. You have to sacrifice some freedoms in order to be part of a group. They can create a false sense of security. For example, relying on a lucky charm may lead you to being less cautious and actually won't protect you in a dangerous situations. So it's really worthwhile also considering the internal sources of security, sources that depend on you. Tell me, Bobby, about, you mentioned earlier on that you feel anxiety when you're not in control of the situation, right? Something like that. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yes, control is uh, probably the main source of my security. When I say control, uh, I, I'm not control freak or something like that. But that sense that I can uh, control the situation. Right. And I always had a problem accepting that I cannot control everything. Right. That is the core of my anxiety. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Yes. That's a very important realization. Obviously, almost everybody starts with attempting to control the reality 
reality and to control the world in order to reduce uncertainty. The problem with that is that it's impossible. We can't control the world. We can't control reality. We can't control fully situation in which we are. So what happens when we fail in controlling our life situation, our insecurities increase and therefore our anxiety increase even further. And then very often it becomes vicious circle because then you try to control it even more. And inevitably, sooner or later, you fail again, and then your anxiety increases, and you try to impose some kind of control over your situation even further, and so on and so on. So that doesn't work. I trust that you already have come to that conclusion. So what else do you do? or How do you try to decrease the level of anxiety? To cover as many angles as I can. I try to prepare myself for good and bad outcomes. And how do you do that? To uh, prepare myself as better as I can. Excellent. That's really important point because that means that we are not kind of giving up on control, but rather than trying to control the circumstances, which we can't, you actually move to increasing the control of your response to your situation, of yourself, if you like. And that is in literature called the internal locus of control, moving from external locus of control to the internal locus of control. This is much more helpful when dealing with anxiety or in increasing the sense of um, security because potentially we can be much more in charge of ourselves than of our situation. I mentioned before that excessive anxiety is the result of the combination of uncertainty and our own insecurities, not having um, faith that we can deal with situation or challenges that we are facing. In this case, the internal locus of control is based on accepting uncertainty, but focusing on yourself and increasing your skills and abilities to deal with whatever comes your way. So it's kind of uh, like a surfer who is not trying to freeze the waves or stop the waves or control the waves because trying to control waves is just pointless. It's impossible. So rather than doing something like that, a surface learns to glide on waves instead of controlling them. And that means increasing self-control by developing certain skills for that. This is one of the most important things in reducing anxiety. So accepting uncertainty and reducing personal insecurities. Also, the other things that matter, being comfortable with differences. Very often, our anxiety increases simply because something else is different. We are not familiar. It could be people who are different or different situations or even meals that we never had before. So the other thing that can reduce uncertainty is to expose yourself to new and different things. And often, we recognize that there is no reason to be uncomfortable about these differences. Things that can further contribute to reducing anxiety is inner harmony and being in charge of your life because you're more in control of yourself and that reduces um, insecurities. Also knowledge, 
knowing how things work, for example, if you have anxiety, if you have, a, let's say, a flying phobia or something like that, you, you have an increase in anxiety. Many people feel anxiety when they are flying precisely because they are not in control. They have to trust the pilots and they have to trust the technicians and the technology and so on. They just sit in the box in the middle of the air above the ground and nothing they can do if something goes wrong. They have to trust people around them. So knowing how airplanes fly, uh, what kind of um, security measures are in place and um, knowing about how the whole uh, process works uh, really can reduce anxiety in such situations where you can't do much. Also, having faith, faith in yourself, faith in other people, faith in science or medicine, for example, or even religious faith can be sometimes very helpful, providing that it does not create unrealistic expectations or clash with reality. Is there anything else that is missing? Is there anything else that you can add to this list, Bobby? I don't think so. Of course, if our listeners are struggling with anxiety or uncertainties or the sense of security or a lack of sense of security, they can send us uh, questions or comments or anything else that they want, and we will try to address them next time. Thank you, Nish. Thank you.